I'd like you to turn to Leviticus chapter 3. Leviticus chapter 3. And if someone has that open, I'd like you to read that. Chapter 3, someone please read from verse 1, the New King James Version, please. Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice which is on the wood that is on the fire as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. If his offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat and the whole fat tail which he shall remove close to the backbone and the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food an offering made by fire to the Lord. And if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from it, then he shall offer from it his offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations in all your dwellings 
you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Praise the Lord, we see specific instructions again and sets of instructions for different offerings. It's five offerings and we're looking at the peace offering in chapter 3 primarily, the burnt offering, the peace offering, the grain offering, the sin offering and the guilt offering. They had to offer particular sacrifices for particular purposes. They couldn't come and just bring any animal and offer it any way they like. We spoke about that last time. God specifically saying here that they would have to take the two kidneys and the fat and they ought to um, be taken away. And you see at the end over here that they're not supposed to eat the um, fat or the blood representing life, something that's so connected and vital for life, blood. And blood would become the very thing that would be required for the atonement. What would be offered to provide the pardon and forgiveness? God said, don't touch that. And also the heathen would be known for drinking blood and doing all kinds of things. And there are cultures that may specialize in dishes that have to do with blood. It's not only unhealthy, it's not a good thing because it has to do with the very life of that animal. Um, we see later in Leviticus 17 that it is the blood that God's given to make an atonement. The fat happens to be the choice portion. It happens to be something that God said it's to be offered to the Lord by fire. The kidneys or the reins is also vital parts. God has his reasons. And they weren't given explanations, full explanations for every single thing. But they were given instructions. And so it is by faith they had to carry out certain things. And as New Covenant believers, Christians, we're able to see the symbolism, we're able to see the meaning much more, perhaps, than they did back then in a variety of items having to do with sacrifices. Certainly, we spoke about the tabernacle, how we understand the symbolism of how every part of the tabernacle, every furniture, and the priesthood is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the offerings there are portions that have to do with a total sacrifice or the best sacrifice or the best part of the sacrifice. And God calls us 
to observe. We don't do these things, of course, but God calls us to observe that these things were given to Israel and how carefully they had to obey it. The physical animal had to be always without defect. Always had to be a perfect sacrifice. God would never take anything less. And later on we'll see in Leviticus that um, certain people with certain conditions physically they would not be fit to serve as priests. God was making a, a statement showing them that Back then, the physical wholeness of a person, physical health, physical wholeness with no defect, no deformity, God was showing them in ways they can understand and we can understand better today how it had to do with spiritual wholeness, that God would take the spiritually pure. So the physical purity and the rituals, the ceremonial purifications everything including when the priests had to wash their hands before they even touched the sacrifice to be offered on the altar before they went into the tabernacle all of this physical allusion to wholeness in the person's body and in their acts was something they can understand concretely immediately to God wants purity and that would teach them about the spiritual purity that no one should be spiritually defective or deformed in his presence. What is that? Having sin. So the physical purity and the ritual cleanliness pointed to the spiritual purity and spiritual cleanliness that is without sin, no defect. So the physical Perfection was pointing to spiritual perfection. How would they understand these people that just were brought out of Egypt? They were formed into a nation. They were given the witness to tremendous miracles and they saw progressively the nature of God and then the law God gave them and then the instructions for the various uh, sacrifices by the people and the priesthood's regulations. All of this was teaching them as they kept learning. They kept going to school, as it were, at the foot of this Mount Sinai, learning very intensely about God's standards. And how could they understand right away the spiritual holiness? It would be something that we may think and take for granted because we have so much today. By way of revelation, we have the entire Bible. At that time, they didn't have any Bible. Moses was just writing Genesis. Perhaps at that time, maybe he started or shortly thereafter. They had no Bible. They had no other instructions. All they knew is they got delivered miraculously and this is God. And they saw his glory on the mountain. They saw his mighty acts. 
they saw how God gave the law to Moses. So that concept of holiness and spiritual inward purity would be somewhat abstract, wouldn't you think? As I was reflecting on that earlier, I was thinking it would be easy for us because we have Romans, we have Hebrews, we have Revelation, we have the Gospels, we have so much on the inward reality of God's purification that he requires. We have to cleanse ourselves. As they continue with God, they will learn about more and more about that inward heart purity. So all of these physical things, these tangible things, such as the tabernacle, such as the furniture in the tabernacle, the way in which they had to come through the priesthood. And as we will continue to read the very detailed specifications for every type of sacrifice, the sacrifice always had to be perfect. They all pointed to God wanting them to be a holy people. So they're learning about holiness. As we said, Leviticus is not only about the tribe of Levi, although we have much relating to the priesthood's offerings and their own purification. We also have a lot in this book devoted to teaching the people of Israel, the non-priests, how to be holy before God in various ways in their daily lives. And this was how they would conduct business in front of and in the tabernacle, the people and the priests. How God set up the structure. He gave them the plan. He instituted the priesthood. He cleansed everything. He told them how to do it through Moses. And now he's telling the people exactly how to function as God's people coming to worship him. Let's go to chapter 4 about the sin offerings and then for the priest in case they sin, in case the congregation sins, in case the leader sins. How God set up things so wonderfully, so mercifully. And yet we'll see just some chapters down how he deals very swiftly and decisively with people who take all of his mercy in coming near for granted and begin to abuse that privilege. We see at once the justice and holiness of God and the exceeding great kindness and his desire to draw everybody near him. As Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you under or brought you to me as a mother and gathers his chicks under its wings. But there's a way in which to come to God and it's the way of humble obedience and holiness that never changes. Let's go to chapter 4. Someone please read chapter 4, 1 through 21, and someone else 22 to 35. Leviticus 4, 1 to 21. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, 
Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head, and kill the bull before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take from it all the fat, of the bull and the sin as the sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat which is on the entrails. The two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidney, above the kidneys, he shall remove as it was taken from the bull of the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering. But the bull's hide and all its flesh, with its head and legs, its entrails and of all. The whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burnt it on wood with fire. Where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. Now, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything, which should not be done and are guilty. When the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull, <coughs> bull to the, for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord. Then, the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. 
and he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar, which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take all the fat from it and burnt it on the altar, and he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering, thus he shall do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Praise the Lord. NKJV verse 22 onwards, chapter 4, does it take us? No, then the 21. You should. I was Verse 21 on. Yeah. Thank you. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. It is a sin offering for the assembly. When the ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God, in anything which should not be done and is guilty or is his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it at the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering. And he shall burn all its fat on the altar, like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. For the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if the sin has or if the sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. If he brings a lamb as a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill it 
as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. Praise God. Praise God. See, the unintentional sins, sins of ignorance, still guilty. Still guilty because they violated God's holy laws. And they have to make up for that with this temporary offering of sacrifice. And not the particular way in certain instances where the priest had to take that blood, dip his finger in the blood. Imagine watching this, being a part of this, continually thousands of thousands upon thousands, I should say, of sacrifice. Animals coming in to this tabernacle area with so many people continual ministration of sacrifices all the time this is something very unique there is no other religion that I know of especially ancient religion that had such a detailed prescription so logically and divinely laid out for every type of offering in every situation as we will continue to see in the book of Leviticus even to the point of people's physical purity in their daily lives in terms of things that are involuntary things they, they can't control and things they can intentional and unintentional sins anything that would make them impure. God had a provision for it. He's so wonderful. Because by nature it would separate them from God because He's holy. He kept emphasizing how holy He is. That they cannot come near Him with any kind of impurity. And He made a way where they can deal with this. They had to. Otherwise they'll be cut off from the people. They'll be cut off from God. So you can imagine how the people were all of a sudden given this and they're getting to know that in order to have God live with them and to live with God, they had to be holy and it had to do with primarily the destruction of lives of animals who would bear the guilt, have that transferred to them temporarily and free the human being who is made in the image of God. There is no animal, regardless of what people say about rights and equality and whether an animal is man's best friend or how the animal is so good, doesn't argue and they can come home to an animal and feel safe. They don't have to put on a certain air about them or kind of adjust so much.
as much as God says to be kind to the animals, the animals are dispensable when it comes to the human being's needs, whether it be food or for sacrifice, as we see back then. Because the animals were not made in the image of God. No animal. That's why man is not an animal. No matter what the scientific classifications say, although the physical composition may be similar to that of mammals other than human beings, man is made in the image of God. Man has a soul that has been made in the image of God. And so these animals are dispensable. They're not insignificant. God made them for a reason. And he sees even the sparrow that the most insignificant seemingly among the creatures. The Lord says, not one of them falls to the ground without your Heavenly Father's knowledge. He provides for them. He watches, but they become dispensable when it comes to saving human life, when it comes to saving human souls. Back then they knew. Without this, the very fact that, as I said in the New Testament, the wages of sin is death, sin leads to death, would not be understood, nor would the guilt be transferred anywhere. They would retain that and they would die. And so the God-man that came thousands of years later became an innocent lamb. He didn't become an animal, but he became the substitutionary perfect, innocent, harmless, blameless one who would take our sins and purge them away from us forever even to the very conscience level what the animal sacrifices couldn't ever do you see the Lord concerned about not only the priests but the congregation, the rulers anyone, any common person and already we see in the first four chapters the bloody sacrifices a daily presence and accumulating continually. No one could miss this. The sin causes death. And so it is true even today. Sin causes death. It may not cause physical death immediately today, but it causes decay and death spiritually all the time. A person begins to turn towards Satan by rebelling against God in any way. And all the various sins are listed in the Bible. They're the fruits of darkness and they represent the very nature of the devil. Rebellion. He rebelled and he was kicked out of heaven. Is anyone who rebels against the holy commandments of God is actually dying. And so sin always produces death and they get to see it graphically over here family by family. Sometimes it's important to imagine this. If you are the leader of your family, you would have to make sure you would buy the animals necessary. You'd have enough in your own flock or you would have to purchase it 
You had to. It was top priority. Otherwise, you'd be cut off from God. So more than shopping, more than cooking, more than anything, you can be sure that the Israelite made sure they had the provision to bring the animals to the priest. The priest didn't have the herd of animals for everybody. Everyone had the responsibility, particularly the, the heads, whether male or female. In our day-to-day, we have the responsibility to make sure everybody's covered by the blood of the Lamb. How? By telling them, as the people were instructed through Moses from God, you need this blood. What blood? The blood of the sinless Lamb of God. Otherwise, you will not make it to heaven. I don't care how good you think you are, what kind of morality you have, and the good deeds you've done. Nothing will pay for your sin. You need to get that out of the way. Once you've been purified, the Spirit of God working through you now, regenerated, can produce offerings acceptable to God. How? By giving your body and everything you have, your time, talent, and treasure for the service of God. Now it's acceptable through the blood, through Jesus Christ. Let's continue reading chapter 5. As we'll see, uh, quite a number of repetition as far as the, the law of these particular offerings as well, as a description of it initially. Chapter 5, 19 verses, one person can read it through. Leviticus chapter 5, the trespass offering, and then sinning against the Lord, and then again, unintentional sins or sins of ignorance. Chapter 5, someone please read that. Leviticus chapter 5, New King James Version. If a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. Or if a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is the charis of an unclean beast or charis of unclean livestock or the charis of unclean creeping things, and he is unaware of it, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it, he realizes it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a person swears speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. And it shall be when he is guilty in any of these matters that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed. A female from the flock, a lamb, or a kid of the ghost as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass, which he has committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. 
and he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first and wring off its head from its neck, but shall not divide it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side, the side of the altar, and the rest of the blood offering shall be drained out at the base of the altar. It is a sin offering, and he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin which he has committed and it shall be forgiven him but if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two pigeons then he whose sin shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering he shall not Pardon me. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he put frank incense on it, for it is a sin offering. Then he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priest as a grain offering. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If a person commits a trespass and sins unintentionally in regard to the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring to the Lord as his trespass offering a ram without blemish from the flocks, with your valuation in shekels of silver according to the shekels of the sanctuary as a trespass offering. And he shall make restitution for the harm that he has done in regard to the holy thing and shall add one-fifth to it and give it to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering and it shall be forgiven. If a person sins and commits any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, though he does not know it, yet he is guilty and shall bear his iniquity. And he shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish from the flock with the evaluation as a trespass offering so the priest shall make atonement for him regarding his ignorance in which he erred and did not know it, and it shall be forgiven. It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. Amen. Amen. We see more detail here about the sin offering, the trespass offering, and God making provision if they couldn't afford, in certain of the offerings, not all of them, even to the point of these turtle doves, or two young pigeons, two young pigeons, they can bring flour. And note that unlike chapter 2, where we saw repeatedly that they would bring the oil in some form mixed with the flour, in this case he says no oil because it's a sin offering. It's not just a grain offering. But then the remaining part would be uh, given to the priest 
And so there are various stipulations here that one had to study it. One had to make sure they did the right thing for the right situation. And there were measurements here. And then there was something added, a fifth. And you see that sin costs. We can take a verse and say, well, the soul that sins, it shall die, or the wages of sin is death. But when we really see that these people had to pay in order to have it temporarily forgiven. They had to pay. It kept costing them. It was not free. They couldn't just go and catch an animal somewhere and bring it. It also had to be without defect, as we had mentioned. And the flower had to be fine flower, and they had to measure out these things. And when it comes to the shekel, it's said that the shekel was not like a coin as we know it initially. They actually used to weigh their money. It would go by weight. And then later it became something that would have a, a monetary denominational value, like a coin. But originally it was by weight. The point is it costs them. When we go through the Old Testament and we read these things, particularly in Leviticus, we see how much it costs the family. Maybe someone can tabulate the average cost financially to the average family or the average individual. But God who makes a requirement always provides for the one who's faithful. And so God had made a regulation regarding sacrifices, various regulations. Not something people couldn't do, but what they could do, even poor people. It really shows the greatness of God and the equality, the justice, the equitableness of God, that he sees everyone's need and he's able to make a way so they can get to him. God is not some ruler, some boss somewhere who makes things difficult for people and who excludes certain people. But he loved all people. And the way he loved every Israelite and considered them one kingdom, it was a predecessor and prototype of the one kingdom that was to be made up of Jews and Gentiles which included us thankfully in God's plan from the beginning we've already noted before that certain people from other countries came in they were even privileged to the point whether they were Moabite or other non-Israelite of non-Israelite heritage they'd be included into the messianic line such as Rahab who was a Canaanite of Jericho they'd actually be included not just brought into the borders and God says okay I guess I'll have to make some provision I have to demonstrate to people that I equal opportunities so let me get a couple of people like politicians do 
politicians, not only who are holding political office, but politicians of all types, even in the street, to appear a certain way. They include certain people sometimes. God wasn't like that. He actually took certain people and he brought them so deeply into Israel's uh, heart, the fabric, that he actually made them physical progenitors of the Messiah himself. People were far away. So all along God was showing, no matter who it is, no matter what they've done, what they've worshipped before, they didn't know anything, they were blaspheming, all kinds of things. As the Apostle Paul said, they did it ignorantly. And I'm calling them. And anyone who responds, anyone, as the Apostle Peter learned in Acts chapter 10, when it came to Cornelius, the Italian or Roman centurion, Peter said, you know, God told us to keep separate from Gentiles for a long time. But his plan has unfolded and been fulfilled in Christ. Now I see that God is no respecter of persons. But anyone who is righteous in any nation, he's able to bring them. In other words, a person who, according to the knowledge and light they have, they try to do the right thing, God will be very near to revealing to them about his son, that they can really know how to be saved and be part of God's family. Praise be to the Lord. This cost so much for the Israelites, but it was nothing compared to the price they would have had to pay minus the sacrifices. They would have been lost forever. They would have lost their souls, their families. And so it was really inconsequential in those terms. And yet we see graphically bloodshed, bloodshed, bloodshed continually. Animals being slaughtered and people bringing birds and people bringing flour and they had to mix it just right and do it just right. And if it was on a pan, as we saw before, if it was brought without being cooked or fried or heated on some surface, how they would have to mix certain things and how they should not have any yeast or honey you should not burn that. We saw how because it's having that fermentation process, even honey, under the right conditions, enough heat, enough moisture. God was showing certain things are unacceptable because they symbolize something. Is it wrong to, for us to use yeast and, yeast and bread today? Absolutely not. We can use it. And even back in Israel's time, there were certain times when they were allowed to use yeast. They were not told never to bake bread. They could not rise. When it came to the offerings, when it came to the sacrifices, certain times they were warned. All of this had a place. Everything had a value and a place. God was perfect, could not explain everything. As Jesus said himself to his own disciples, I have many things to tell you, but you can't take it right now. You won't be able to bear it or understand it. But when the Spirit comes, the Comforter, whom I will send you, 
the comforter who proceeds from the Father and from the Son. The Holy Spirit. He, notice the Lord didn't say it. He said, He will teach you all things. And so we have the great privilege to be able to know that God will explain everything we need to know at the right time, provided we are on point with Him, walking in obedience according to the light that we know. According to the light that has been given. So if God says be humble and we're not humble, we're not going to learn about His covenant. We will not be able to understand His covenant. The devil will use the disobedience to open doors for more disobedience and more questioning of God's character and why did He do this that way and I don't understand this, this doesn't make sense. A lot of rebellious kind of attitude will come into any human being who is not humble before God and keeping a clear conscience. The devil will just come and have a field day. They'll be all messed up inside thinking that God doesn't know what he's doing. But the person that's humble, the Lord said the meek, he will teach his way. He'll show the covenant. Blessed be the name of the Lord. May we keep a clear conscience. May we value with everything that's within us and continue to praise God every single day for the way in which he offered his son to die. Not to come and merely teach, but to give his life as a ransom for our sins that we don't have to be worried about bringing all kinds of animals and paying for it and knowing that it's not going to cover it fully because every day we have to bring it and every month, every week, every year it's a repetition but not with the Lord Jesus he did it once he was the, the perfect sacrifice and so today we're free to live yeast free lives meaning without any malice without any feeling of guilt and condemnation without any feelings of the past coming and haunting us because God said I put it away it's absolutely awesome to know as John says in his epistles, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, how it is absolutely marvelous to think that God said that we are the beloved children of God. What manner of love? It's a perfect love. And we have the confidence that we can walk worthy of God's name. No longer are we haunted by the fear of sinning. Because God has given us His Word written right on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And as we meditate in His Word, we can be holy. When we have a heart to obey but we allow Him to work in our lives. And whatever He said to subtract, we subtract it. We get it, rid of it. And He continues to purge us. And He takes us deeper and deeper in the holy life to the point where we're not only amazed ourselves, but other people are very amazed. How are you able to live a victorious, overcoming life? You can tell them it's through the blood of the Lamb. I understand what it is and I have full faith that when the Lord died on the cross, He paid for my sins 
in full. In full. There's no charge that I have, no bill that's going to come to me regarding my guilt and my sins, my trespasses. Because he's forgiven it all. I'm free. I'm truly free. Truly free. To live a life of love, live a life of adventure with God, knowing Him better and better, and then being used by Him more and more to do what? With the anointing of God to preach the gospel, the good news about His blood that He shed, gave His life, till all the people were poor. People who are physically poor, more so people who are impoverished spiritually, they don't have life, which is everyone without Christ. I can say the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to go and tell people. I have to tell people that God can heal you, heal your broken heart. I can go, I have a duty and I have a privilege to tell people because I've been set free, he healed my heart. I can go tell other people how you can get your heart healed. And if you're in bondage to drugs and all kinds of vices, evil, I can tell you, God can set you free. If you're spiritually blind, you don't know what to do, you don't know what direction to take in life, you don't even know who you are, and what you're supposed to be doing trying different things to make you happy, always coming up short, always feeling dissatisfied, I can show you how to get real sight. And go tell people, because of the blood of the Lamb, people who are crushed and oppressed and afflicted can be healed. They can be set free from that bondage of being stuck in a cycle of oppression, oppressed in the mind, oppressed in the body, and tell people the time, time is now, today. God's favorable time has come, the acceptable year of the Lord. So even reading Leviticus, we are faced with the supremacy, the uniqueness, the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And how we should just adore the Lord and thank Him and, and keep thinking about that. Because we can never exhaust that of its full glorious splendor, the value of it. And as we do that, we get very excited to share that with other people. And we need to go tell them. You can be safe under the blood. Hallelujah. I'm safe under the blood. Oh, I'm safe under the blood. I'm safe under the blood of Jesus and the devil can do me no harm. No harm, no harm, no harm. No harm, no harm, no harm. No harm, no harm, no harm. And the devil can do me no harm. 
Oh, I'm safe under the blood. I'm safe under the blood. I am safe under the blood. And the devil can do me no harm. Not the blood of animals, but the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Continue to impress upon us deeply, Lord. The eternal sacrifice, the bloody sacrifice of your Son who was murdered in our place, Lord, for eternity to free us from the penalty of being cut off from you, Lord. Thank you that we don't have to bring anything except ourselves. And humility to kneel at the foot of the cross. Say, Lord, save me. Have mercy on me. A sinner. Forgive me for this, that, and the other thing I've done against you, and only you have I sinned, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that you are instantly gracious and you forgive. And thank you, Lord, for teaching us how good we have it. And thank you for giving us the joy of being your children this morning, Lord. And Lord, the obligation that we have to tell everybody Jesus Christ, through his blood, heals, delivers, and saves. Hallelujah. Thank you for giving us life. When we brought death through our sins, you took the sins away, gave us your righteousness, and gave us life instead. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I pray that you help everyone to experience, Lord, victory over the devil today. In every aspect, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.